Blog Talk Radio. And in addition to that introduction, we've got this really snappy introduction that we've done the last couple of shows. But we have an engineer who is remiss, and so we're going to have a we're going to have a conference with that engineer um, be, before the next episode and make sure that we're loaded up because my introduction's nowhere near as snazzy as the one that we had someone high powered and talented make for us. So I'll I'll do my best here. Live today, here we have. The K-Factor, the Influencers, Partners in Excellence Media, with your two hosts, Richard Flint and Dr. Dub Carlin here on No Apologies. There will be no apologies for anything that we talk about. Why? Because you ought to be able to have freedom of expression. You ought to be able to and be encouraged to think critically, connect your mind and your heart, tie them together, and then speak. Good morning, Richard Flint. Good morning. That was an interesting introduction. Well, we, have to, we may have to fire this engineer. I agree. You know, impromptu. Oh, good. There you are out in the universe, and here I am back in my office. Yep, I'm just tootling around out in space. Yeah. How is it out there? Just looking for that world of knowledge that exists. <clears throat> oh, well, no wonder you land here. <laughs> yeah. I'm always here in the office. I, you know, I, I think that this is like my one, my my one uh, reality. This is it, and and I sweetened it up with some. Look at those beautiful red roses. Aren't those lovely? I see them. They, Did you buy them for yourself? Well. <laughs> A lady never talks about that kind of thing. Well, with that answer, you already know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Are you inferring I have no admirers? I'm sorry? Are you you inferring that I have no admirers? No, I would never infer that. (laughs) You would just overtly state you're buying yourself flowers carlin <laughs> i've been wrong with doing that every now and then i'm a person who believes that you need to spoil yourself absolutely so you know what i do and and i and i love fresh flowers i you know it's really lovely when when you're involved with a with a gentleman and and, and they lavish upon you things that you love but you know what if you don't do it for yourself you're going to get aggravated with any poor guy who doesn't come with a delivery? And how, okay. how, you know, right? Yeah, there are certain days of the year that we don't stand a chance as men. <laughs> That's really Valentine's true. Day, yeah. birthdays, yeah. anniversaries, yeah. and Christmas. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving, throw Thanksgiving in there too. And then like every Wednesday. exactly exactly you know here's the thing if you're romantic at heart then romance really and this gets into a topic we've been talking about for a few weeks the issue of trust and trust starting with the self 
I'm a wonderful romantic person and I, and I love the romance of life. So I do romance myself, you know, I, I, I do buy flowers and, and I've got great perfumes and, 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 and clothing that's really soft and, and touchable and huggable and all that. Well, yeah, but it starts with, for me, and if there's someone who enjoys it, it's not like, you know, a surprise. Oh, oh, I didn't know that my daughter was really so lovely. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. Why do people set it up that way so that they end up hurting one another's feelings without even understanding that they're doing it? Well, because many times we don't don't think. We get so wrapped up in our life and what we're doing, and time just sort of flies by, and all of a sudden you realize, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Like that commercial that's on TV right now, the guy for Valentine's Day, and they asked his coworker, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm I'm getting uh, flowers for my wife. He says, "Why would you do that?" Well, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. He said, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Well, one eight hundred flowers will save you." So oh gosh. It was a cute. It was a cute commercial. Yeah, there's um. I had I had a, a gal that I went to graduate school with, sweetheart of a gal. And she married this really nice guy, and he came trudging in the house. I was over there one Friday afternoon, and he comes trudging in the house after work, and he brings her a bouquet of flowers, and he kind of looks at her, and she just kind of, you know, motions him, just lay him on the counter. And I said, are you kidding? Why don't you, like, go over there and give him a big hug and a kiss? That was so incredibly beautiful that he did that. And she said, oh, no, this is our agreement from the very get-go. Every Friday, I want you to bring me flowers home from work. I said, and he does it with that kind of response. I think you maybe need to change your tune a little bit. I mean, excuse me, but uh, Mm -hmm. wow. I would either go by and pick up some dead ones or, you know, buy some plastic ones. (laughs) I said to her, we're both both psychologists. Do you not understand positive reinforcement? I mean, come on. What's, What's going on here? It's so weird. And I think I think a lot of people do that in their in their love affairs, and and in their friendships, and in and in their family relationships. People forget that gratitude as an exchange between us is really appreciated. Like for instance, you and I always show up in here early before the show begins, and we have a little conversation and and talk about it's it's good to see one another. How have you been? What have you been doing? You know, that kind of thing. To show gratitude and appreciation for the relationship and the connection. Well, but, you know, it's easy to, it's easy, like in anything in life, it's easy to get into a rut. And, you know, it, it, when something becomes something that's expected. Oh, yeah. It takes some of the fun out of doing it. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, um, things, people think that sometimes routines are like that. And I think they can be, but if we're intentional about it, and, and I learned this from my parents, I think my mother in particular, she wanted to make the day joyful and, and the ceremony of cooking and bringing food and, and meals together and bringing our family together for breakfast. We would out be doing different things for lunch, you know, school and work and things. But then for dinner again, we would all come back together and it wasn't drudgery. 
you know, it was like, come on, you know, this is a celebration and nourishment of not just our our bodies with the food that we eat, but also with our conversation that we would have. It was called the Carlin Dinner Hour. It was too hard. <laughs> there were no phone calls allowed. You couldn't call. If the phone rang initially before answering machines, you had to answer the phone and say, thank you for calling, but this is the Carlin Dinner Hour. We'll have to call you back afterwards. Would you like to leave your name and phone number? (laughs) And we would talk about how the day went. But you know what? It was lively and it was precious. And we actually inspired other families to do the same thing. Do you think that um, paying attention to someone because you want to, not because you have to, is a way of showing respect. Oh, yes. The ultimate. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's nothing worse than obligatory, right? I can't stand any time I have felt in a relationship like it was so freaking obligatory, either on my part or the other person's part. It just makes me want to scream. Yeah. But, you know, I... And I think that I think our society, with the pace of society, um, puts us sometimes in a mode where we're moving so fast we don't have the time or we don't take the time to remember some of those things that we need to remember. Yeah. Um, and it's why I think sometimes in relationships, the relationship is is in a building process, hmm. and in the building process sometimes. The, the pace is not as fast. Uh, but then when you become comfortable with each other and you get into the routine of being around each other, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you stop paying attention to the little things that send some very powerful, positive messages in the relationship. Because I, I think relationships are, are a big part of them are about messages that are sent. And um, sometimes we forget the importance of what our behavior is saying. Mm. You know what? I'm really glad that you said that because I was thinking about that in relation to you and I over the week, by the way. Um, you know, you and I have had have had a long time of coming to know one another, which is really neat. And and to be doing this show every week has really given us another another opportunity. It doesn't really feel virtual because we're pretty natural with each other and, you know, we're here looking at each other on camera and all that unscripted, <laughs> totally unscripted. Um, and I apologize. <laughs> that's what we don't apologize for. I was wondering what we weren't apologizing for. So um, I was thinking about it during the week and I thought, you know, I really wanted to reach out and call you. We take turns doing that and we're both up really early in the morning and I and I and I was very mindful that there there have been days when I wanted to and I was just I was a little bummed out and I thought you know what as difficult as 2020 has been as challenging as it continues to be in 2021 which you and I didn't really anticipate that it was going to change so it's not like a surprise but that doesn't really make it any easier um, I was really mindful that. I really don't, at least frequently, 
I and and typically I don't want to be sharing how tough things are with anybody because right. because right. there's because there's nobody out here who isn't also having tough times. You know, everybody everybody is experiencing it. People talk about it in different ways. I just when I'm at <laughs> here's the real truth on the why why because when I'm my most pathetic, I don't want to be on the phone going, oh! <laughs> oh no, you know I just I don't want to do that. I mean I'm I'm basically I'm basically a person who loves life and I'm happy and I you know I feel joy I get joy in all kinds of things and you know can laugh you know any day. But there are just times when it's just too much. And and I think that while you, I mean, you and I are straight with each other. It's not like we never don't share. But there's just times when I think to myself, come on, Deb, really, you can't stay sitting where you're seated. You've got to turn it around. You got to, I remember hearing that saying as I was growing up, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right? Mm-hmm. And you really do. I mean, if I call you four days in a row and I'm lamenting, how is it helpful for me? Because, you know, we hear what we say. And how is it helpful for you? Is Are you getting a tissue out? Or are you going to start crying? I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to clean your glasses off, too. I'm so yeah, sorry. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know what isn't I mean. That, isn't that part of the K factor of caring? Well, that would be the C factor. <laughs> that, you know. Uh, yeah, kindness. Yeah, it is. We were not put on this earth uh, to be an island. No, we weren't. You have to be very selective as to whom you're willing to share. Uh, you're down moments with. Well, that's really true. That's really true. Because there are a lot of people that would love to know you have you have downtime, and you know you have moments when you get down on life also, and then they would they take that and they use it. Yeah. Actually, I, I want to tell you I want to tell you about an episode that I had. I was newly married. I was in my twenties, and I yeah I mean I was just on top of the world. I was so happy, and uh this friend of mine comes to the door and my then husband and I had, you know, like been in a tussle and I, I was just so freaked out about it. I couldn't believe it. And, and I opened up the door and she said to me, Oh my gosh, you've been crying. And I, and I just looked at her and she said, I am so excited. What's wrong. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? That doesn't feel right at all. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say goodbye, and I will, I will see you another time. I, I mean, it was just so, it was so horrifying. But she was really gleeful about it, you know. But there's a difference between being caring and being nosy. She was being nosy. Yeah. The the end factor. Yeah, it didn't feel good. And I, but I have had people over the years tell me, like with my writing, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. I kind of think I've I've been pretty open, don't you? I, I think you're I think you're a fairly open person. Um, 
But, you know, none of us want to share everything about us with other people. I mean, you, you've got to have parts of you that you contain in your own inner vault. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't you think that appropriately sharing? So let's 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 go back to this point about my not my not calling you to say, oh, yeah, it's Richard. But let's put it in this framework. There's things that we share that are appropriate so that we can we can we can we can lay them out there with someone who we know cares. You look like you're gonna burst out laughing. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about you calling me and saying, I'm having this tough day. And I go, so what? <laughs> you know what? That would be, given our rapport, that would be so perfect. So, you know, I mean, because you, you hear what you say, you reinforce the negative, you're lamenting, you know, all that. And and then the other part of it is, um, what is it that you're doing when you do that? You don't know what you're walking into the other person and what the other person is going on. And so I always think about that. I think, you know, like, what if Richard's having a hard time? Then, you know, will he feel like he can talk to me? And then, you know, I have the whole conversation. And by then I'm exhausted. <laughs> and, yeah, but then you think, well, you know, I don't even want to listen to you. <laughs> That's the other part of it. Yes. Right? If you can talk yourself through things. I'm a I'm a big believer in, in talking to yourself. Okay. And having self conversation. Yeah. Uh, on the uh praise side and on the downside. Oh geez. It, you know what? That is absolutely so true. I've been really inspired, like in the last week or two, a couple of weeks, maybe several. And and of course it's still intermittent with these smacks of everything that's going on in the world, but I feel inspired. I, you know, I'm, I feel a, 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 like a resurgence of passion and energy and happiness and, and just so many different things in our lives are coming together, you know? And, um, you know, like we have a new intro for the show. <laughs> the engineer can find it. <laughs> So I've been a little too chatty here. This is uh, not not my show. This is our show. No, but your your chattiness always leads to questions. <laughs> it certainly does. What in the world are you thinking right now, Mr. Flint, Dr. Flint, um, Minister Flint? Have you always been a very private person? Where does that come from? Well, you know, um, from whence we began, right? So certainly from my mom and dad. You know, I, I remember a lot of conversations with with my parents about things that were, as a child, I didn't really recognize that were I was I was taught at an early age. You know, there's things that you share, and then there's things that are private. Like I remember going upstairs when my family was at, at the breakfast table, and I went upstairs to get out of my pajamas and robe and slippers because you went to the breakfast table decent and get dressed and ready for school. And, and I went wandering into my mom and dad's bedroom. And for whatever reason, I climbed up my father's tall boy, uh, high boy dresser and found his wallet and counted the money. <laughs> I don't know what compelled me. <laughs> and I came downstairs and I said, Ooh, 
daddy has $555 in his wallet. And they looked at me like, well, first of all, what were you doing in our bedroom? Secondly, how did you get up to daddy's top of his dresser? And why in the world? I can hear my mother. Deborah Lynn, what in the world compelled you to climb to the top of your father's dresser and get a hold of his wallet? And why would you count his money? That's none of your business. Now, do you realize if you go to school and you tell that to somebody, somebody might hear you and they may have a brother who is a thug and that thug will find out who your father is and they will go and wait for him to be alone, and then they will hit him over the head, they will knock him down, and they will take his wallet because they want that money. <laughs> I, was just, I was just making a proclamation in the family here at the breakfast table. But there were events like that that I learned that there are boundaries about what, what stays in the house. And, you know, nothing nefarious, just safety and common sense and all that. And, um, you know, there's matters that are private between people. So, uh I learned you ever told somebody something confidence and had it come back to you through a third party? Well, that's the other thing that I learned at a very early age. Yes, absolutely. And that is just horrifying. How about you? Have you had that experience? Mm-hmm. You think there's... And, well, that goes back to our word we've been talking about. Then you don't trust that person anymore. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's really, you know, Richard, there's nothing worse in the core of our life, in the core of our heart and in the middle of our mind, than being violated, having your trust violated. You know, if you really, if you really like someone, whether you're getting to know them or you've known them for a long time and they turn around and they violate your trust. Oh my gosh. How many people do you have that you would trust with your life? Hmm. Your life. I've been thinking a lot about that lately because, quite frankly, from last year and this year, I've I've seen so many people that I love dearly. I still do. That won't shift. But I've seen them fall apart in the middle of what's happened to our country and happened to the world. And I've seen their volatility. And I know that I can't, I can't, I cannot count on them. I've had people um, move away from me because they know my mind and they know that I'm not uh, going to fall in line. And, and, and I know a number of them, a lot of them are afraid of me. You know, they're afraid of that uh, stand up for something different than what is the normative right now. So I feel um, I feel like that's a pretty tiny number. Yeah, mine would probably be four. Four. Mm-hmm. No more. Would you put me on that list? Am I on that list? You're you're waiting to come onto that list. <laughs> I have to pass a few more tests. Well, isn't trust something that people earn? Yeah. And I trust you. Yeah. But there's there's so many different levels of trust. You know, yeah. we all, we all live with a series of gates around our life. Yeah, we and do. those gates are there to protect us. Right. And you know, sometimes we'll let people in 
maybe one gate or two gates, and if there's four gates, we won't let them in that third gate. Mm-hmm. Because we're just not we're not sure of the the level of trust that we can put in that person. And right. trust is something you earn. Yeah. Right. And it's and as good as as good as we have it in our communication in this on this platform. Uh we also haven't been in one another's presence in a consistent manner and seen each other in all these different kinds of scenarios. And so this is a best foot forward kind of a uh, an ordeal. And so while we can know each other, real trust happens. So I was I was kind of kidding with you there. Real trust happens when we have a legacy with each other, right? Of incidences and circumstances that we go through together, and we've really we've really shined every every time there's been a question. Well, and this is one of the challenges I think we face today with all the social distancing and everything, <clears throat> it's like when we're doing this through Zoom, for me, we're sharing space and we're sharing time. Yeah. But when you're together with somebody, you're sharing presence. Mm. I mean, because the internet blocks the inner way of feeling someone's presence. Mm-hmm. But if you and I are sitting there uh, in your living room and we're talking, then we're not sharing space, we're sharing presence. Because I can feel. You know, and we've talked about this before, of how difficult this is for a lot of people uh, to be able to be comfortable in this format. Yeah. You know, and we, I think it was two weeks ago we talked about, you know, friends that I have that are speakers that can't, they can't do this. They, they, I just, uh, before we came on, I did an hour virtual presentation for a company in Knoxville. And, um, you know, I have friends who are speakers who tell me, I can't, I can't do them. Isn't that interesting? And you know what I think that is? Tell me if you think, what you think of this. <clears throat> there are people who come in here, they can't get used to, seeing themselves on camera. And I, I actually, when I'm working with people, even even my clients, not just uh, audiences, the clients, while we're in here, I want you to see yourself in the camera. So, you know, flip your eyes back and forth between looking at me and looking at yourself because you're going to learn some things about yourself. And people can get like, yeah, oh, I didn't know I had that. <laughs> okay, just relax with it because it's you and it's all fine. But there's also, I think one of the things we love about being on the platform and being professional speakers is the energy we get from that audience, right? Mm-hmm. So here's what I think is, is tough for people. When you're doing a presentation to those people, is it like Hollywood Squares where they're all there, or is it just you talking to like, nothing? Well, for me, when I'm with an audience, it's us. It's a plural pronoun. But I mean on camera, when you're doing it on camera, um, you know, let me go back to that. When I'm on stage in front of an audience, the us is already created. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. But when we're on a Zoom, um, the us many times is just me. So it's not like in your seminar? I don't have that audience. So it's not like Hollywood Squares where they're all there in squares? 
Well, yeah, I, I mean, uh, like the presentation I did, I had uh, all these salespeople, their pictures all around the screen. Oh. You know, but it's, you know, it's still just me. Yeah, yeah. Because electronically, it's hard to feel uh, the energy that people give back to you. Um, yeah, you know what I don't like about some Zoom events? Here's what? <laughs> Okay, Richard, you want to know? <laughs> Some people are so, it's like they think that they're invisible. <clears throat> they pick their nose, the camera's down here on their chin, and you see up their nostrils. They got the camera so you're looking at the ceiling. Or they're sitting there, they're eating. What are you doing? You're, excuse me, you're actually, <laughs> here, we can see you. Or some people show up, they're on their bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you didn't realize we can see, right? I actually say that to people. I mean, I just call them out on it because I'm uncomfortable. Well, I mean, it depends on what they're wearing on their bed, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, but it is. I mean, uh, people, you can tell people who are used to being a part of a Zoom class or event yeah. and those who aren't. Um, very much so. Yeah. I've, I've had people that were eating, and they, they're people who they've never been taught how to chew. Oh. Eat with their mouth open. <laughs> and you want to just stop and go, would you please shut your mouth? Chew <laughs> with your mouth closed. Didn't you ever <laughs> You know, I actually, in a couple of meetings that I've done, I have actually said to people, you know what, this is great that we're all in here and I want everybody to feel really comfortable. But <clears throat> I kind of like to make the same announcements that I that I make when I'm with a real audience. And that is, you know, if you, if you want to eat, then bring enough for everybody. You know? And then, like, the bulb disappears. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, somehow there needs to be a platform where we teach people the etiquette the etiquette in a zoom class oh i like that you know what i just got a brilliant idea for us the blue book series straight from outer space dr dub carlin and richard flint here to teach you how to behave oh i think it would be fun to have you know, if you were able to capture some of these people and their mannerisms, and you could play them back as bloopers. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, here's one of the things in terms of trust, and this is this is on the topic that we're talking about, but just taking it a little bit different step. I was um, I was working with a group of faculty who had just they were in a war. For more than a decade, they hadn't had a a faculty meeting with the entire faculty for like 15 years. I mean, it was there was such um, aggression between people, and it was like if you go, then you're paying attention to that person, and went on and on. And then they started picking on one another for professionalism and lack thereof. So I was I was doing regular ongoing talks with them, and you know, all live and everything. So I came in. And I, I did something like really goofy. I had my hair up in a knot that was 
not a cute knot. It was like a really kind of a hillbilly knot. No. Oh, I had braids. I put braids in. I had big ribbons at the ends. And I and I had red uh, freckles that I put on my face. And um, I think I blackened out a tooth or two with, you know, like chocolate licorice or something. And I walked in and I had on some big, ugly dress. And, and I had a garbage bag. I tied on a stick over my shoulder and I walked out and they weren't sure if it was me or not really in a very uneducated way. I was chewing gum or pretended I was chewing gum. I couldn't do it if I was really chewing gum. Um, And I, and I looked at all of them and I, and I, and I started proclaiming that they were passing judgment on me. And like, why didn't they look at one another? What were they all staring at me for? Was it my braids? You know, was it my hair? And anyway, what I did was I I opened up the garbage bag and I told them I wanted to share my trash with them. And they were all the notes that people say to themselves, like, you're an idiot. You're a slob. You come from nothing. You're never going to amount to anything. People don't like you. And and I, and I and I took them and I and I would throw them out, you know, and I and I'd like throw them into the audience. I didn't hit anybody or anything, but then I started pulling out other ones and and I was saying, oh, I didn't mean to put this in here. This isn't really garbage. I love you, and they were positive affirmations. And as I was doing that, you know, I just slid the ribbons out of my hair and undid my braids. I rubbed my face, and it turned out to be you know a little blush to give me color. And then I started standing up straight and then I took the dress off and underneath I had on a really nice outfit and people started looking at me differently as I was talking and walking and moving and speaking to them differently. And the point is, you know, we're not willing to develop trust and connection with somebody who doesn't at least look the part and make us feel like we can understand them and not have to be afraid of them. Cause I came in with a chip on my shoulder and a little aggressive and certainly not looking like one of them. So I was a stranger and they weren't sure how to receive me. Now, if I had come in there really pathetic, it might've been different, but we do these things in the way of establishing trust or not. Like there's no opportunity, right? We all get an invitation in part always because of how we speak, how we present, whether it's on the phone or it's in person or it's here on Zoom. And and you and I both strive to be really friendly and unassuming looking, don't you think? Yeah, and do you think that people, you know, we tend to trust people who are more like us? Yeah, in a lot of ways we do. Yeah, because sometimes we can form an opinion of another person just by the way they look. <clears throat> uh-huh. And then what happens, once you once you create a perception, I've always found that it's really challenging to change that perception because you have to admit you were wrong in the first place. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of experiences of that just recently that were really delightful. There's a there's a really um, famous guy on Facebook, and he and I have, I mean, it's been like five years that we've known one another, and I and I just thought, you know, he's super accomplished and he's just amazing, and but he's a tough guy. He's got this really tough 
you know, military, like, I don't know, special ops or something kind of guy. And he does all this adventure mountain climbing and all that. And I thought, I, you know, I really want to talk to him because in today's era, I really want to figure out who this person is. And I'd like to have a conversation with him. You're hilarious today. You keep looking like you're going to burst out. (laughs) And I got him on the phone and we, you know, we arranged a phone call and he's got, I mean, this completely, excuse me, different voice and accent than I could have ever anticipated. And, um, completely soft heart, strong mind and completely soft heart. And I thought, Wow, isn't that a nice surprise? Mm-hmm. You ever had anybody, other than that experience, you ever had somebody surprise you and cause you to have to really stop and rethink your perception of them? Besides this guy? Oh, yeah. I absolutely. And it's not always easy, is it? Because when we're right, we're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but unlike you, I'm not that judgmental, Richard. <laughs> uh, I remember one time I was doing a program up in um, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, and I yeah. was doing it for a very large automotive dealership. Yeah. And we were we were sharing stories, and that one of the the general manager told me this story about it was a Saturday, and Saturday's uh, afternoon notoriously slow, and these five salesmen were sitting around just shooting the bull. And there was one brand new salesman in there that was just eating everything up. And this gentleman walked into the dealership, you know, old baggy clothes on, the scruff beard, white, mm. um, not well kept, and was looking at a, at a truck. And the salespeople looked at each other and, and told each other, you know what, I'm just too comfortable here. So they pointed to the new kid and told him, you go talk to him. Ah. So this new kid, filled with excitement and energy, walked over there and started talking to him. Yeah. The, and the guy bought 27 trucks. I love that story. <laughs> just the perception of, and, and I think a lot of people are this way. We, we look at people differently. I know that um, I look at people differently today, you know, uh, <clears throat> Post nine uh, eleven, I look at people differently today who get on airplanes. Oh my gosh! You know, and um, it, it's it's hard not to. Yeah. You know, when you've been jaded by something, mm-hmm. um, or something has created a level of fear within you, it's hard not to look at people that way. You know, and I, I think this is one of the real challenges in our country today as we look at people based upon the color of their skin, mm. uh, their religion, you know, and we, we prejudge or predetermine people. And sometimes it's hard not to, especially if you've had a negative experience mm. based on that criteria. And you know what, though? I'm going to push back a little bit with you on that one. Here okay. we go. <laughs> because I just wrote I just wrote a piece this morning on Facebook in reaction to, I had posted something um, 
from a cookbook from early in the last century. And it was, uh, it was, it was from a, a cookbook that I had by Mrs. Simon Candor, you know, like 1918 or 1923, something like that. And it was called, you know, she's this heavy set woman like Aunt B on, on Andy of Mayberry. And, um, you know, white cotton dress and, and her hair up in a, you know, big old bun and, and, and it's called the settlement house cookbook, the way to a man's heart. Well, I've got a copy of the cookbook. I bought it in an old antique cooks, cookbook store or bookstore. And I just love it. It's, it's got the edit, the etiquette of the kitchen. I remember roaring, laughing with my sister on the phone, you know, Oh, you wear an apron, you wear a hairnet in the kitchen. You have a hanky in your, in your pocket on the front of your apron. And, when you go to taste the soup, you don't stick a spoon in it and, you know, put it in your mouth and then put it back in the pot. You put a spoon in and then you take another spoon and spoon out from the spoon. And yeah, Is that guess what spooning came from. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so the um but it's lovely because it's, you know, it's, it's much like Emily Post's Blue Book of Etiquette because it tells you how to do things, right? Now, I was raised that way, and my parents sent me to, like, finishing school, so I had to learn all that stuff in charm school and everything. And um, so I think that the domestic atmosphere, women have shortchanged themselves. If women would stop being angry about how much influence we have, over all of humanity by what it is we create in the domestic sphere. And it's not about being demoralized about it. Give me a break. Women have been demoralized. So have men, older people and children. So everybody gets their turn. But I was amazed at the comments about this post, you know, Oh, F that S, you know, Oh, this is why I never got married. Oh, you know, when did you revert back to this? You know, uh, we need to rewrite this. And I'm thinking, rewrite it. We've got, we've got all kinds of things on the, um, uh, hang on one second. I'm sorry. Um, the, uh, the evolution, nobody's looking at the evolution. So I'm there having to say, well, wait a second. What's the matter with putting it in context and appreciating this? And I felt like saying, but I didn't. I, what, I, what I ended up saying was, you know, this is not the platform for me to be uh, tutorial and, and giving a full explanation. But I was kind of aggravated because there were women on there who were um, really chiding me as a woman who, you know, I love my feminine energy and I love that I love to cook and that, that people love that I love to cook and bake and make a beautiful home and people come over here and they feel comfortable. As a matter of fact, it's the whole design for my Institute for Wellbeing. Healing takes place in a domestic sphere, not institutional or commercial, domestic sphere. But people have just um, gotten really aggressive about that. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens with our children when mom doesn't know how to cook. Nobody in the house knows how to cook. I, I can't believe how many times I've been making house calls over decades and the dining room table is heaped up with papers and junk because nobody ever sits there. And in the kitchen, they've got a bunch of junk on the table. It's like, where do people eat? Oh, you know, 
in the van. You know, we go through the drive through and we eat in the van, eat in the car. Do you ever get eye to eye with your kids? Oh, yeah, the rearview mirror. I have literally heard that. I have literally heard that. Yeah, and I've always been amazed at the number of young girls, young ladies who get married who can't cook. And in some situations, their husbands are better cooks than they are. You know, but these are these are basic lifestyle skills that we tend to no longer teach. Uh, in our society, you know, it, it lives at such a fast pace mm-hmm. that a lot of families don't. You know, they don't eat meals. They don't cook. Uh, and so, you know, they, they eat out. I had a darling daughter-in-law who my then-husband and I went over to visit <clears throat> and um, they were a wonderful couple, really sweet. They had invited us over for dinner. And I said, oh, you've got the, the table set and everything. It looks so pretty. And our son says, she keeps it that way. It's always set. We never sit there. I said, what, then what are we doing? What? what I mean, like we're not going to be sitting here. He goes, we called for a reservation <laughs> at a restaurant. Okay, so we went to the restaurant. Do you think that there that one of our challenges to, today that when it comes um, to equality, yeah, that one of the things happening today is we've moved away from earning quality to demanding it. Well, yeah, and 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 I'll tell you a number of things. The theme of equality needs to disappear. There's no such thing. It's like when my parents would say, we love all three of you just the same. My sister and brother and I would sit there, and there were six years between each of us, so 12 between me and my oldest sibling. And we would sit there and shake our heads and say, no, that's not true, because you love me best. (laughs) No, no, I'm the favorite. No, no, I'm the favorite. There's no such thing. Everybody has got their own unique. So when it comes to women and men, are we equal? What are you talking about? What 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 are you talking about? There's no such thing. There are men who are stronger than me. I'm stronger than some. You know, it, it, smarter, not as smart, funny, funnier, not so much. I mean, when we're talking about equality, this is one of the things that I was really heated up about this morning on Facebook. Somebody was, was horrified that parents would think that they had the right to want their kids to opt out of any of the curriculum. And they were particularly about what was being taught during Black History Month. And I said, from a distance, it looks like the parents are really being judgmental and not paying attention to themes. But how about this? How about if instead of having Black History Month, let's take all the color out of it. Aren't we being racist when we keep talking about color? Aren't we being racist when we we keep doing that? And aren't we being sexist when we keep talking about gender? Why can't we talk about humanity? Why can't we talk about the way that we all love one another? And why, why, why am I chided as a, as a female when I love the domestic sphere, and by the way, I got a little uppity on on my post, and I said, without trying to be rude about it or at all arrogant, but I was mad, and I said, by the way, I am no lightweight. 
because I love the domestic sphere, Google my name. I'm actually an accomplished professional and busy, but I love having a fresh pot of soup that I've made, and I'm really satisfied if the ingredients come from my garden. Why is that, why is that such a bad thing? And, and, I, and I know how to sew a button on a shirt in darn socks. You know, people are missing it, Richard. Well, I think that, I think there's more racism from the African-American population to the Caucasian population than there is racism from the Caucasian to the African-American. And I don't, I really don't know, but I will tell you in this era, I have never felt so discriminated against as a, as a white person and as and as a woman, so I think that sexism and racism, uh, it, it stop. It's, it's just me out here. I'm just another person, you know. Stop, stop with the labeling. You know, like I was I was taught as a as a child, don't label people. You know, there were nicknames for every ethnic group. You that was never the language used in our home. That was never ever. Uh uh-uh. uh, no, you, you didn't make fun of groups, none of that. Well, I think today it's uh, we're struggling with people demanding respect rather than earning respect. Yeah, and that way. never works. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's like that's like the woman that I told you that she commanded her husband to bring her flowers home every Friday. What I wouldn't have done that. If I were him, and I and I absolutely never commanded that any anybody I was involved with do anything like that. I mean, that's just that. Then how do you know if they want to do it? And, and it's my golden rule too. If you as a woman want to get married, what's the secret formula for getting married once you're in the relationship? Don't ever bring up the topic of marriage. Yeah. See, if I would have been the husband of that lady you were talking about, I'd have probably gone down to a forest and bought a wreath for a funeral and <laughs> taken it home and said, this thing is dead. Yeah, it's, it, the, the boundaries have slipped. The slippage is just way too far. So the question is, you know, in, in, the, in the issue of trust, which is the, of, of the underlayment of our theme of discussion here today, <clears throat> when people feel all of this, it is such a clear indication that they have zero trust in themselves and in their position in the world. Well, my lack of trust in someone else generally begins because that person reminds me of some place in my life where I don't trust me. Exactly. And they become a mirror that I don't like looking in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody who I really cared an awful lot about, we were on a call. It was a group of us on a call. And and um, they really like to um, make a point occasionally. And I didn't know this when we first started getting to know one another because I thought these people were just fabulous. But then it came out, you know, that women are oppressed. I mean, we're all sitting there as couples. Women are oppressed. Women are always beaten up. Every woman has been has been sexually harassed, molested, and raped. And I said, well, I haven't. I mean, I've had, I've, yeah, I've had guys make, you know, advances, 
So you say, you know, you, you wiggle out of them somehow. Like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, cut it out or something. But you don't just go, oh, okay, I'm the victim here. Do whatever you're going to do. And this woman was furious with me. Yes, you have been. And I said, no, actually, I've been here. <laughs> I've actually been here inside of me. I'm telling you, it didn't happen. No, it's happened to everybody. And we've always made less than men. And I said, again, not so much. I've been on accounts where I come in as the consultant, and I've had the men who hired me say, I can't believe you're making more money than me. Hey, you know what? Back off. I'm here for this much time, and this is the professional fee. You're going to be here for another 20 years. So if you add it up that way, yeah, but you're doing this, that, and thing. Okay, you know what? If you don't want to do the deal, then we won't do the deal. But when women start or anybody starts to put themselves in these categories, they get into a trap. And then they get angry. And what, what are they really angry about? I finally got this woman to admit that what she was really angry about was when she was in those positions, she accepted pay that she didn't think was appropriate for her qualifications. She allowed behaviors with her because she didn't respect herself enough to say, don't do that. You're crossing a boundary here. Well, limitations are self-imposed most of the time. Yes. And it goes back to what's your foundation? Doubt, worry, uncertainty, or belief, trust, and faith? What What do you believe about you? Right. Because I think people see in you what you present to them. Absolutely. And then we wonder why people don't like us is because what we demonstrate says, I don't like myself. Right. That's why people like us. That's why, that's why we have such a huge following for our show. Well, and there are people who will never follow us because we frighten them. No. We frighten them because we, we see them as they are. What should we do about that? Well, I go back to, you know, my theological training and what did Christ do? He dusted the sand off his sandals and walked on. I'm not going to con- I'm not going to try to work to convince you to like me. Because if I do that, I have to lower myself to your level. And I'd rather challenge you to step up to my level than lower myself to your level. And you know, if if you're not going to accept me as I am, then you're going to criticize me if I put you in my life. Ooh, that's golden. Oh, <laughs> my nineteenth one for today. Say it again. That was profound. What did you hear me say? That if if I have to if I have to stoop to your level to get you into my life, then you're not going to like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to, yeah. If I, if, if I come down to your level, then I'm admitting that, uh, you know, maybe I was wrong at my level. Oh my and I'm not going to apologize for who I am. You know, uh, am I perfect? No. Um, but do I strive every day to be better? Yes. Mm-hmm. And if, if I become better because I'm investing in me, and you're choosing to stay where you are because you're investing and staying the same, then there is already a division between us. And 
with and I start obtaining and gaining because of my investment in me, and you're not investing, so you're not gaining anything, then there's going to be envy and jealousy. And I, I should never have to prove myself to you because, again, if I do that, I'm lowering myself. Yeah. Because if I'm proving myself, I don't believe in myself. Yeah. So this has been a lot of fun. We've zipped through yet another hour, and and we we are we are still here in the office of Carlin and in the universe of Richard Flint. And this has been another wonderful, insightful time with Richard at richardflint.com. You should go to richardflint.com and look at the Richard Flint seminars. You should also go there and look at the learning centers, and you should sign up for his seminars. He's got another one coming up Saturday, February 20th, correct? Yep, on uh, developing consistency in your life. Inconsistency to me is one of the top five most self-destructive behaviors that a human can put in their life. Agree one hundred percent. Just think that's a part of life. It's a choice in life. It is a choice in life. And so Richard and I together have got a number of things that that we're talking about <laughs> But for today, we're glad that you were here. This episode will be both on Block Talk Radio and it'll also be over on YouTube at our channel, which is Partners in Excellence Media because we are the news. And we are the influencers. And for this episode, for this show, it's called No Apologies with Richard Flint and his sidekick, Dr. Deb Carlin. How's that, Richard? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody.